All right, good morning, good morning, everyone. Good morning, River City. If you want to start to make your way to your seats, we're going to just jump in for church. All right. And good morning for everyone who is watching on live stream. We are so happy that you're joining us this way. If it is your first time, we would love to give you a proper greeting. So if you want to drop your name in the comment section below, we'll be able to greet you there. So every Sunday morning, we do a lectionary, and so it keeps us connected with the universal church. It goes to the Bible in three years, and we read from a psalm. Because today is Creative Sunday, we have a creative approach, and we are going to make, watch a video that has been led out by Bill and Becca and Jordan and some creatives in our church, and is really beautiful. So if you would with me, stand in reverence, you'll make your way to look at the screen, and we'll hear the psalm together. Psalm 54, God, save me by your name, defend me by your might. God, hear my prayer, listen to the words of my mouth. The proud have come up against me, violent people want me dead, they pay no attention to God. But look here, God is my helper, my Lord sustains my life. He will bring disaster on my opponents. By your faithfulness, God, destroy them. I will sacrifice to you freely. I will give thanks to your name, Lord, because it's so good, and because God has delivered me from every distress. My eyes have seen my enemies defeat. And so God, we just invite you this morning. We thank you that the same God that David called his helper is the same God with us this morning. God, we lay our weeks at your feet. We give you our cares and our anxiety. We give you our hope. We give you our doubt and our questioning. God, meet us where we are this morning. Scan our hearts for what we truly need and be the provider that we know that you are. God, I thank you so much for these people before me and those that are watching online. Bless them. Bless them for their willingness to be present. God, we just invite you into this space. We turn our eyes and our attention to you. And we worship you because you are good and you are worthy to be praised. And so be with us this day. And in your holy son's name we pray. Amen. If you'll remain standing with me for praise of the people. Pray for the global church, its members, and its mission. Father, today we pray for every soul on earth to embrace Jesus Christ. His selflessness is reflected in our lives when we follow him in faith, allowing others to catch a glimpse of who he is. We pray that we would be good representatives of love on earth. Give us the courage to love our faith, live our faith boldly and consistently. Clean hypocrisy out of our hearts as a global church and wipe away prejudice and favoritism. Give us strength and sight. Help us to look at each other through the lens of love. We pray for the world and all those in it. Almighty God, you are the only source of health and healing. In you there is calm and the only true peace in the universe. Grant to each one of us, your children, an awareness of your presence and give us perfect confidence in you. In all pain and weariness and anxiety, teach us to yield ourselves to your never-failing care, knowing that your love and power surround us, trusting in your wisdom and providence to give us health and strength and peace when your time is best. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we pray for the community of River City. We thank you for student ministry starting tonight. 
We thank you for creatively responding to our heart's desires and cries over the last nine months. We thank you that all along you knew the now, the time, and the place, and the people, and it's coming together tonight. And so we just celebrate you, and we thank you that you are faithful and good and sovereign to respond to the cries of your heart, our hearts. We thank you for women's ministry that started up again last night for the first time since the pandemic. What a gift every woman of River City is to this body. We pray that you would bless it, pour out your favor and your love on every woman to feel seen and known and powered and loved at this in this space, that their gifts and their hearts would flourish here. We thank you for ETS. We thank you for the ways in which you've responded to our desire for a pathway to discipleship. We thank you for the groups that are walking alongside ETS. God, would you begin to stir and cultivate in us a deeper sense of knowing who you are and what it means to be a learner of of you, of your pace, of your ways, and may we do it in community. We pr- I pray that you um, would continue to move in the hearts of the people of River City. And I thank you for what you have done. And I thank you for what you are going to do. And may we never forget to testify of your goodness, of all the ways that you move and act in your perfect timing. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I woke up at about 3.50 a.m. Right now I'm just early morning bragging. Who knows an early morning bragger? I don't really ever do that. <laughs> except, for, except for Saturday nights recently. I get up and I intercede for an hour. Just kidding. No, I drink coffee at first. And then I, I try and intercede. So thanks, Mariah, for sharing the joy that you always do today. Thank you, people who led worship for us. Just for clarity, this is all worship. Just some people do it in song, amen. Thank you for the greeters who came early. That's starting to, it's starting to feel like more people are starting to step in at the right pace. Thank you for Marcus and Mike for covering as Bill. So Bill decided last night after the Alabama-Florida game that he needed a break today. So we let him go to Oregon. Um, all right, it's a dad joke. It's all right. That fe- I felt like that was a deep cut joke, but evidently it was not. So thank you for people who show up and do kids ministry. We're starting to build it out again. I love how it's happening. I had a check, deep check in my spirit this week after we had our wise council meeting that uh, was so great in a staff meeting. I f- started to feel like there was something so important about what happened in the pandemic, about the pace of how we started to live our lives that felt like I've been looking for this for a really long time. And then now as we kind of come out, even though it's still very much prevalent right now, the, the virus is definitely around, but it feels like people are kind of getting to a spot where we're like, all right, we're coming out. And I think we're, we're gonna have to fight the temptation to produce as much as we produced before. And I think that's probably more important than anything right now. And so I recognized in myself There's so many opportunities at our church, right? Like, we need this many greeters. We need this many kids workers. We need all these people for Love Smyrna. We need all of these things. And I think I was clear as I prayed on Thursday, what God is asking us to do will not be done like all at once. And there needs to be grace for a pace that involves Jesus. And so I'm I'm committed to that. And so... If we grow our kids' ministry and volunteers one at a time each, each week, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing, especially if those people really have a heart to love kids. We prayed for nine months, and I, had nothing, I actually went out of town for a month and came back, and the youth ministry was starting to form. There were people who were stepping in that wanted to do it. When God does things, it's important to take note of them and then help foster what he's doing, not just what we want. And so he is definitely working in the youth and ETS. And so I'm not going to ramble, Tina, all this first part. I'm not going to ramble, Kara. But we need to foster what's happening in ETS. 
This is not a small commitment that our church would decide we want to be a church about formation and discipleship. We want to be able to say this is what it looks like. And so I just want to let you all know we do want you to volunteer. We do think we should, but the pace has to be right. If you notice that we're doing things that are way too big and can't be covered and you'd have to destroy your life to be a part, hey, Josh, we're going too fast. I'd be okay with that because sometimes I go too fast, and that's the truth. And so, anyway, welcome to church today. It's good to see you all. I'm glad that you're here. Coming soon to River City Church. I'm going to bring up this every week. So you can pull this slide up for us, a study in the book of James. we got one week left. Say thank you, James. He's been good. He's been good to us. Pots, what is that? Prayers of the season, community-wide focus. That's coming up starting next week, the end of James. We're going to share the pots, the prayers of the season. And then we're going to talk possibly about how to integrate Hebrews into that. But I'm praying about pots and Hebrews and how that works together. And then next we got Love Smyrna. Everybody say Love Smyrna. Love Smyrna. And that's going to be beautiful. And then we have the ETS retreat, which is a retreat at the end of our group. And I think there's around 60 people going to that. So that's pretty great. Then we have Advent. Everybody say, thank you, Advent. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun season. So all that's coming up. But we're going to continue in James today. What's been happening in James? And so before I do that, everybody take a deep breath in. Deep breath out. One more again. Mark's got me on that this morning. In our homework last week, it was about the Lord's Prayer, and I I will never forget this, that the Lord's Prayer is a movement from orientation to intercession. That before you start to pray, you have to orient yourself with what's happening. Our Father in heaven has nothing to do with what I'm about to ask. It's just recognition We have a Father. He is in heaven. The word heaven there actually means all around us. So it's a settling of sorts. Breathing in, breathing out. My Father is present with us. He is here. And He's all around us. It's in the air we breathe. That's where we want to start today. Orientation before message, before intercession. And so... Jesus, you are so welcome here. You're so welcome in our busyness. And if I have to be honest, I feel divided this morning inside. uh, Just personally, I just feel divided, Jesus. I don't really know what that's about. I feel like I'm in four different places wanting to be present in this place. So I just ask that you gather all the parts of me and us to this room and that we would recognize that we talk about these holy scriptures. We're not reading historical text. It's an interaction with a lively spirit guiding us through the, which is actually you. Your scriptures is you, Jesus. The word, the logos. So as we hear the word and discuss the word, let it be like lively oracles dancing around the room. Something happening. Let it be like we're being formed And the word is highlighting in us what draws us closer to you. Let us be a church that doesn't forsake word from you, God. Because that's how you started everything, by your word. And so we just thank you for the opportunity today, in Jesus' name. So I'm going to read you, James, and we're going to go from 3.13 all the way until 4.3. And so if you have a Bible either on your phone or on your person. If you have it on your person, welcome to This Is Amazing. If you don't, if you just have it on your phone, I wouldn't hate it if we started to interact with that. I think it's important. Maybe a question like, how do I get there? If you don't know how, I'd love to answer that. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like a physical one, I would give you one today. We talked about how churches used to, whenever you were first-timer at a church, they would just give you a Bible. Here's a Bible. It was just a part of a church service. That's kind of redundant now because we all have the Bible on our apps, but pull open your scriptures. I'm going to read this to you. Before we start, James has been speaking pretty clearly. He's been asking this community to stop striving and stop using bitter speech and start to get along. 
And he's told them that words without actions are double-minded and it actually hurts the body more than helps. So if you say all the right things as this group of Christians does, but they don't act on it by the way that they treat one another or the people around them, it's, it's worse off than not doing anything at all. So it's talking about how when those two things come together, word and action, that is wisdom. James would actually propose that word and action together, faith and action and word is actually what makes wisdom, wisdom is what makes it all hearable. And so he's asking this community to really reflect, like you, you have something to offer, you have something to do, you're not getting there in the way that you're doing this. Stop striving. We're going to hear today about people who felt like they needed to be the teacher. They needed to be in control. Stop. Talks about humility and what wisdom actually looks like. So he's been telling this community these things. Last week we actually talked about how the tongue is super powerful. Even like a rudder on a ship, something that you say, small or large, can actually change the direction of things. It can start a movement. It can start a fight. Words can start wars. So we talked about how last week when you speak the language of heaven, praise, prayer, worship, encouragement, scripture, when you speak the language of heaven, you're actually changing the environment you're in. You're actually building out constructs that actually change cities, but you also do the same when you speak the the language of the world, when you repay evil for evil, when you curse someone or yourself when you tell a lie to someone, you're, you're constructing something that is then livable. So construct the language of heaven, right? That's a beautiful thing to even think that we can be guided by the Spirit to do that. So carrying on. I do ramble a good bit. And that's okay, right? Thank you, thank you. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him, conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but this is earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Moving on to chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? That's Max, I think that's, uh, what's his name, the guy on the Bible app? (laughs) I love it. Sometimes when I'm listening to that, I'm like, his voice is, was that you? Anyway, I enjoyed that you had it, so to me that's, that's good. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And this is not speaking of one person, this is to a body. Is it not that your passions are at war among you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and could not obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So, Jesus blessed this. Bless this time together in the next 15 minutes. 20 minutes, let it be, let these words, which feel more practical than spiritual, if I'm speaking transparently, feel spiritual and deep so that we actually embody what you're saying here. In Jesus' name, amen. So I love how when it asks the question, who is wise, it doesn't list offices. It's not like presidents are wise. Seasonally speaking, many of you would think yay or nay on that, of course. It's not like, it's not even like pastors are wise, because Lord knows a lot of us are not, right? It doesn't say teachers or moms are wise. It lists characteristics of wisdom that actually have nothing to do with the specific words. When I think of wisdom, I think of people like Bill, 
And I still don't know if he is actually wise. He's just quiet. And when you're super quiet, you, you appear to be wise. He's actually wise. I think of people like Jonathan Godby. I think of people like Sarah, my wife. I think she has a massive amount of wisdom. I think, like we've said before, if someone ever tells you that they have wisdom, I think it's pretty clear that they do not have wisdom. Someone who says they have wisdom is not using wisdom, right? Like, because wisdom wouldn't say that. Wisdom would be so humble. Wisdom is Craig, who is not here this season in California. He's on the worship team. I meet with him. He's 40 years older than me, is curious about everything I say as if what I am saying is important, makes me feel like everything I say is meaningful. I honestly feel like half the things I say to him, he's like, that's so wrong, but he's so kind he doesn't share it. He he doesn't challenge when he thinks I'm wrong, and he does. He asks me more questions. Explain that. I'm like, this is, this is how fights start. When you say something I don't agree with, I then tell you how what you say is not right. This is how conversations happen all the time. But wisdom, according to this, is in the way that you embody it. And it makes kind of sense. Like if I were to share something really hard with you, the way that I shared it would go a long way. If I felt like you were in danger of hurting yourself or someone else, the way I said it would mean as much as the way or what I say. It's interesting. I see this in coaching. Yesterday I coached. I don't think I coached well yesterday. I'm just going to be honest with you. I coached my daughter's team early in the morning, and I woke up in a funk, and I said all the right things, but I knew about three innings in, I'm saying these things, (laughs) not in a helpful way. And I could have said the same things that would have encouraged, right? I need to stop being so honest about my sports stuff with you guys and just talk to my counselor. But it's important, the way that you say things. And then it gives you actually specific things. We'll start first with what it starts with first. What is not wisdom? And it says specifically, wisdom is not extracted from earthly sources. So what does that mean? Earthly ends. Wisdom is not something that can just be obtained from a book you've read or a friend that you have or a construct you have about how to do well in business. It cannot just be extracted from that. It's not just a good idea. Good ideas are not wisdom. Thousands of good ideas should never happen. Some should. But a good idea is not wisdom. The opposite of wisdom will cause division, which is what's happening here. And it's what they call passions coming together in the same room. And I'm going to share a bit on this in a minute, but I want to give you a little bit of kind of a personal construct. It's like someone entering an actual arena. And I think about the arena in the first century where Christians were taken and slaughtered. And how when you enter an arena, your senses become like precision alert. If you put me in an arena and there were lions in an arena, which actually happened, I would be extremely aware of everything happening. I think there are some people that would just buckle and fall over because what are we going to do? I'm, I'm thinking of ways to, to get through it, right? And if there are others among in that arena, you have to imagine they're starting to think, I just got to maybe get farther than them. But the whole idea of an arena is a competition. And I think What this is asking us to do is recognize that if we desire wisdom and we have placed our own passions above that of the community or above my care and love for neighbor, it's like I'm stepping into an arena. And I don't think you can avoid it. If you desire what your desires are more than what the, the common good of your community or following and saying, I'm submitting to you, God, you're living your life as if it's in an arena because that's the only way to survive. You're stepping then physically and literally and in your actual personhood into an arena where it's fight or die, where it's kill or be killed, where it's go after that position, lock in that, and it's striving from start to, it's the kind of alertness that you, I imagine after 10 minutes in that kind of a setting, you're so desensitized because you've had so much happening, but imagine living there your whole life where Everything about what you're doing is getting what you desire. But it also lists 
what he calls wisdom that is only from above. And this is unique to James' writing. He does not believe that wisdom can come not from God. So that's a theological massive argument we can have. But what he's saying is it only comes, the only way is to get anything in that arena from him to come down. And so he gives you eight things, and I'm just gonna read you these eight things. First and foremost, it's pure. And it's using the language used about about purification of uh, offerings where they're considered, there's no blemish in them. Here specifically, there's no kind of dueling idea or dueling desire. So it's a pure, wisdom looks like something that's happening that has nothing to do with what I can gain. So it's pure. There's no selfish thing connected. I'll gain from this. I'll talk about offering more so I can get more money. That's not happening, right? That's not gonna happen. Pure is where it starts. It's the motive that what's happening now has nothing to do with what I can get. Number two, it's peaceable. And this is talking about between man and man and between woman and woman and God. That anything that has to do with wisdom will actually draw those things together. That's unbelievable. Like that's one of the strongest connections Paul and James have is that while they both talk about things a little differently, they both land squarely together in this peace is the fruit of Jesus. Peace will be the fruit. It's considerate. And this word is actually the hardest word to translate from the original Greek in the New Testament. Considerate is actually described better just beyond the law. Have I say just beyond the law? So this is the idea that sometimes demanding the law's requirements is actually causing more pain than helping. So this, the idea of wisdom looks like, I have to recognize that when I am implementing some type of law, specifically for them, maybe the Jewish law, that I have to recognize when it's good to not say it for the sake of the other person. That's not avoidance. That's like, no, I need to back way off right here because care is now feeling condemned and convicted but also shamed. And so just repeating this, I would have to see within my wisdom that comes from above, I need to back off and offer a lot more grace in this scenario. So wisdom looks like discernment. That's so good. It yields. Wisdom has the ability to, when confronted, to be like, okay, I'm wrong. I'll back off. It's not weakness. That's not weakness to say, I was wrong. Forgive me. Wisdom is not always right. Wisdom has the ability to apologize. How many mentors do we crave that can teach us how to do that? To like live wrongly and then see them get through it as opposed to always producing this front-facing perfection that's not attainable, that nobody's gonna be able to do. It yields. It's full of mercy and good fruit. That's clear. It's unhindered, so it's, it's resolved. It's not stuck in its ways, but it's the idea that this is about Jesus, and because of that, I'm moving forward with. I'm unhindered in my mind. I'm open, I can be corrected, I can yield even, I don't have to require someone else to do what I believe God's asking me to do, but I'm unhindered. Like this is not all open for discussion. Everything's not open for you're telling me. Like, that's not what this is saying. The next one is without hypocrisy. And that's extremely clear. And you'll hear in a minute, this is really why most people don't desire to be a part of a community, especially in America, this this reason. And then the last one is sown in peace by those who make peace. And that's really important. Peace is the fruit. Peace is the outcome. Shalom for all the world. Right In the garden, we talked about this in my house. In the garden, there was peace throughout all the creation, plants, animals, people, all those things, all of it. The spectrum of not just our desire and our drive as Christians is the thing that we bring peace to. It's we're responsible for peace and bringing peace through listening to wisdom from above. That's beautiful to me. And so I'm gonna read you a quote from Barclay that I think... I think if you think about it this way, you have to ask the question, is it really possible, right? And I love this from Barclay. One of the most difficult things in the world is to argue without passion and to meet arguments without wounding. To be utterly convinced of one's own beliefs without at the same time being bitter to those of others is no easy thing. And yet it's the first necessity for the Christian teacher. And while I think right in this movement, we're like, Yeah, teachers should do that. I don't want you to go there yet. 
Just like last week, I don't want you to go where your mind goes when you hear that Christian teachers should be that. I want you to apply it to yourself. We all know that we should not do dumb things, but that starts grassroots with you. How are you embodying these things? And so faith and words are made coherent in wisdom. So if you want to teach, here's just a little litmus test. If you're like, you know, God called me to be a teacher, and I don't know why I'm doing the face like that. God called me to be a teacher. <laughs> I got I to gotta back away from that, like, edginess I have. God called me to be a teacher. Well, let's look at James chapter 3. When you operate around people, especially when you feel like God's asking you to tell them something, do you look more like, no, you're going to listen because God told me this? Or do you look more like, consider this with me? Do you look more like the one that embodies those eight things that anybody would desire to talk to? Or do you look like the one that's like, no, God told me, so I'm doing it? Maybe that's not the right language. Or just, I'm doing this, and you're going you're gonna to have to deal with it. This is my calling. And I'm in a thing again I don't need to be in. This is my calling. I'm trying. Move away. Like, like the whole idea that it's yours is a sign that it's time to step into a space of confession and repentance. Because it's not even yours. It's not mine. The callings we receive are actually for the body. That does not give allowance for abuse, which happens, but not everyone is abusing. And so maybe it's time for us to highlight the areas in the church that aren't abusing. Let's find the churches that are doing great, that are loving their neighbors, where leadership looks transparent and open, where it doesn't seem to be about a stage or about a platform or about a book, let's find those and celebrate them. They're, they're there. They're literally there. They're just not looking for platforms, so it's harder to find them. Yeah. Like it's, we are our own worst enemy. We hate the things we want. Like this is how these things exist. We have to start shining lights on the people in our lives that are mentoring us and pouring into us that look like this. Craig and Myra, they're a part of our body. Don't overwhelm them. Don't start showing up at their house, but that's, that is them. They, they embody this. Let's bring light to that. We don't, I don't know who one of our staff members said this, but I've been thinking, we don't need to really destroy the megachurches. Like, Why? Like that's, maybe they're doing things we wouldn't do. But it's not helpful just to say how bad they are. We don't need to, it's not going to help. Highlight what God is doing. That's how ETS started. We need to be able to put our money where our mouth is if we're not growing as a body, as people, not numerics, but growing. Like you're not decide. Let's highlight where God's doing it, you know? That's good stuff. So, all of these things, though, come out of what God, what, what's described as desires. So, and it gives you these two kind of paths that people choose. So, this is like, here's what this behavior looks like, and now, so what are we going to do? What do we do about it? What, what is God saying about it? It's coming from within us. So, either the fruit of wisdom or the lack of wisdom is coming from what's in us. So, it's not something you approach from the outside in. It's something you approach from the inside out. What is your motive in life? What do, some of the questions are so easy. What do you desire? I mean, think, don't overthink it. Your desires are motivating your actions. What are they? And you don't have to say them right now. But it's either that, you're either driven by pleasure of some kind, or and I'm going to use a word, I'm going to use a phrase you are not going to like. Or you're submitted to God. And we don't like that. I hate the word submission. Like, obedience, submission, these words, they sting, I think partly because they've been abused, but mostly because they actually have a massive impact on our lives in a good way. And I don't think they're supposed to, like, I think that's, there's something like an aura around it to keep us from confession and repentance, like... God rebirthed the beauty of those words so that they're interchangeable with healing and hope and growth. Confession is such a beautiful thing if Christ is in his right space. Now, if he's not, and he's dominating, and he's just concerned about only Americans in the world, 
then that's maybe not awesome because that one can turn on us. That's not him though. He is good. So submitting to someone who actually knows my identity more than I do, submitting to someone who knows how I'm wired to live on this earth and who only wants to bring peace and shalom into my life, submitting to someone who wants to bless my finances, not so that I can be like, look at my finances, but so that I can bless, that's, that's like a no-brainer. So God removed the negative aura around submission, confession, obedience, but a passion-driven life is always warring powers. It's always the arena, and, and you have to ask yourself, what, what is my motive and desire right now? It's typical. It's like five or six things that it's always about that causes wars. It's money. It's prestige. It's power. It is consuming or more. It is the lusts of the body and those things. All of these things are typically what land people in this place where you are now fighting everyone for the same things. And it's all a facade. And so the, the, the scariest thing to me about a passion-driven life is that when you live out of that, there's no need for prayer. Like there is, don't get me wrong, but you replace prayer with those things, which is scary because then communion with God can't happen. Because what is prayer if not a conversation with my father where we are interacting? So when you say yes to a passionate drive, and I'll give you some really specific examples, a, a better paying job only, or a spouse finally. When you're, that is the driving thing in you. You'll start to override other things and you'll create space to not have space for him to answer. So he says, I don't answer those prayers. And that's a little bit like, well, well, what are you saying you don't answer those prayers? When your passions and your desires are guiding you, you don't want to ask me those things. So we don't. That's distance begins to build because actually I would like this thing I kind of know is probably not the best, but it would feel great to have it for a little bit. So you keep your distance. We don't even interact with God about those. But when, and this is where I think this passage, and I'm gonna kind of bring it home early. Can you believe it? Amen. <laughs> so you can pull up the next one. So what are we to do, you know? I'm gonna read you, and I, does, it, does it have all the way through 10? After that, okay. So remember this beautiful word. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and not flee from the devil, but the devil will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. He was like, man, back before like, Twitter happened, you can say all kinds of stuff. He was preaching to them and said, draw near to God, you sinners. Literally said that. Are we in the next one now? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Another way to say that is recognize your depravity and it would be appropriate to cry about it. That is such an invitation. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. Not a lot of Christian churches are, are preaching that today. And your joy to gloom. Wait, what? That's an actual scripture. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. So in other words, if you're living a life about your own pleasures, stop laughing about it and start to cry. Because if you can, and you can humble yourselves before the Lord, he will exalt you. This is so good. It's so much better than we're gonna be able to respond to. And it reminds me of my friend, Dr. Johns, who came and, talk, and talked about when we go low, he goes high. When we go high, we go high. If we take the seat on the throne, he can't sit there. When we go low, he goes high. So if you ever want to know the right first move if you're confused, humility. I could be wrong. Even if you don't know, you're pretty sure you're not, but possibly. I could be wrong. Go low. I don't know how to get through this portion of my life. Instead of, 
actually, I got a good plan. I was taught in school. I can form a four-point plan and move forward. I don't know how to move forward. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be a wife. Like, I'm, that's, that's a, I don't actually know how to be a wife, and I'm speaking in your, and maybe you don't. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a boss. I don't know how to say sorry when I've really hurt someone really bad, and I don't know if, how I hurt them. There's confusing situations in life that don't just one, two equals three, that you're, you have to be like, I legitimately do not know how to move forward from right in this moment to this moment. And you need to not act like you do. And you need to get on your knees and be like, all right, it's either for real you or me. And we already know what me is going to do. It's time to get low. In the words of, <laughs> everybody's got that song in their head now, right? Not everybody. Jonathan doesn't at all. But some of us have that song in our heads. I can't tell when I bring you into it, Jonathan, if you hate it or love it, because you make the same face at all times. <laughs> I had a conversation with somebody I've been praying for, I, th- I think for 12 years, and I, dear God, don't let him be watching today. I've been praying for him for 12 plus years. We grew up together playing baseball. I ended up in a rehabilitation for years. Didn't graduate high school. He ended up at UGA. He became a hair cutter. That's called something else. Barber. Professional hairstylist. He was at Tony and Guy, which is now not there. And he now does his own thing. And I just had this really great conversation with him this week where he was talking about the Christian church. And he was like, I just don't get it, man, because he, he would not say he's following Jesus. That's, it would just, he's a friend that I really care about. I would love to see him living just all of it. And he said, I, I really don't get it because I see in Jesus this kind of person who loves an enemy, loves somebody from another country, like a lot, and then I see the way that people are behaving that are Christian, even he was talking about his own family, that are Christians who literally hate these people. And he's not saying, he's not like the guy that's like sounding the alarm. He's like really confused. Why, why would this be happening? And I was able to tell him, I think you're right. But there are people who are doing it. There are churches who are living this way. They just don't want stages. They don't want, look at me. And that's the clever thing about the enemy is the stages right now a lot of times have the ones that shouldn't have them. And the ones that don't care for stages are living this Jesus work, but we have to embody that. So it's got to become man to man, woman to woman. It's got to become so relational that you don't just have to invite your friend to a church, but you can have a conversation with your friend about who Jesus is and what that means for them. So this is how the gospel, I think, will recover. Because I actually think we're in a post-Christian culture right now in this nation. I think we are in danger of a mass exodus that could lead, though, to a beautiful entry into something that we've all been longing for. A raw, real, connectable, person-on-person kind of gospel that does live for the sake of the other and not for my own pleasures or for my calling. You're not here for my calling. I'm not here for your calling. We're all here because we love Jesus and because we want to serve our city. And that'll be beautiful. So a couple markers. Where's my book? Oh, it's not my book. A couple markers from a healthy church. If you would follow along with me while I put my password in. Amen? Amen. What then does life in a community that lives by God's wisdom look like? Here are some markers of a wise church. Church officers are chosen on the criteria of godly wisdom rather than how much money they give to the church. You don't even know if that's true. You're just like, amen. (laughs) Worship leadership, I'm gonna let that sit. (laughs) Worship leadership is not just handed off to the paid staff, but is shared among the church membership of all ages and stations. Can I get an amen? I'm just telling y'all, we don't need to hear a thousand amazing voices all the time. But it doesn't hurt to have some really good voices lead us in worship. So thank you for those of you who do. 
Disputes are handled with mercy and love, seeking peace above selfish ambition. Stewardship becomes not just a season of pledge collection, but a year-long spiritual discipline taught and lived by the community. Can I get an amen? Amen. Prayer is not selfish, asking what will feed individual desires, but seeks the good fruits that will meet the needs of all. Peacemaking and social justice ministries become ways of addressing the earthly wisdom that surrounds us. It's a clear difference in the earthly wisdom and peacemaking and social justice. Our primary identity is measured by our closeness to God rather than the possessions we accumulate individually or as a church. One of the reasons why we want it to be inside a building in the middle of our city. I want to be a healthy church. Healthy churches don't happen without healthy what? That's true. We can't preach about spiritual formation if we're not being spiritually formed. We can't preach about prayer if we're not praying. We can't preach about loving our neighbor while continually calling out all the churches that we hate. It just doesn't work. We want to love you and serve you, not like those stupid mega churches do, you know? And people are like, wait, what? We want to be a church that gives so generously that it's like... We disappear in the equation. We want to be a church that shows up together. Just really, honestly, when you're here, and you can be, it makes a difference. It does. It makes a huge difference. When you're online and you show up, it makes a difference. Our body, together. And so, you can stand with me. If I were to just sum this up in a couple words... What would wisdom look like after hearing this passage for you? That would be, it would be very clear to me. It would be the kind of person that wants to hear from God. It's not the kind of person who's clear on what that looks like, though. I would say this. Allow the Spirit of God to let you self-reflect. Is there any way in which you need to confess and repent and go low? And if you're already thinking about somebody else in the room and what they should be doing... You have your way to confess. God, I pray that we would be so dependent on you that it really wouldn't work without you showing up. for a moment close your eyes we pray that you would search us oh God we pray that you would see if there be any wicked way within us we pray God that you would restore unto us the joy of our salvation that we would recognize the needing of being saved and that that's a process for the rest of our lives pray that we would be willing to say sorry to actual people, not just to you in our prayer. We pray that we would be able to see where the gospel is flourishing in specific people and families and ministries and in other churches and that we would celebrate endlessly. We pray that each person here and online would step fully into what it is to be a part of this body so that we have to turn people away when we have too many volunteers next year. We pray mostly, God, that you would search us right now. We give you space. Just for a few minutes, just go low. If you'd like to sit back down right now, you can. If you'd like to get on your knees, that'd be fine. Just give them some space for a moment.
we're going to end with this today. If you're in this room and you just really need the community of God to surround you and intercede or encourage you, you feel in the low place, but you need that. I would love it if you would just kind of let us know. You can stay in your seats, but raise your hand for us. We're going to let people surround you. Anyone, anyone? Anyone desiring this? Prayer, intercession. Got one. Amen. We're going to surround you super good. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Well, that just happened. One, two, three. Anyone else? Plenty to go around where two or three are gathered. Amen. One, two, three, four. And... Anyone else? There's someone else. <laughs> totally being that pastor. This one. Tina, thank you. All right. Anybody else? Okay. Yep. All right. So real quickly again, if you raise your hand, just go ahead and raise your hand again. All right. So look around. If you're not raising your hands, we're just going to kind of go to our people and pray for them. So use words if you can. Actually pray. If you want to ask them what to pray for, that'll be fantastic. If you're going to stay in this room, please consider that we're going to pray for a bit. If you'd like to go home, we love you. Thank you for being here. So, so happy to walk with you in this. So if you want to go ahead and make your way to somebody who raised their hand, that would be fantastic. I'll stand here awkwardly until it happens. Got one right here. We got Jordan over there. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.